Stafford, receiver's in tight. He gets the snap. Stafford finds Cup in the end zone. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Touchdown, Cup! The Rams have taken the lead! Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. When the game is on the line, you need your playmakers to do it. Yeah, a lot of trust in him. This is the Rich Eisen Show. And that's the way legacies are born. Earlier on the show, Rams safety, Eric Weddle. Coming up, Cowboys head coach, Mike McCarthy. Plus, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Warren Sapp. And now... It's Rich Eisen. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen show is on the air. Hour number one, we had Eric Weddle on. What a journey. I mean, the guy is, he said he was talking to a local high school about maybe coaching for him, and he missed a phone call from Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris. And then he's like, hit him back. What do you What do you want, Raheem? And like, uh, hey, you know, we need help at safety for the playoff game on Monday night against the Cardinals. Do you want to come back? And then. He does after missing two years, and then now he's a Super Bowl champ. I mean, that's an unbelievable journey story for Eric Weddle. If you missed it, YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for all of that. Uh, we've got our friend Warren Sapp making his way to the studio right now. He'll be hanging with us in hour number three. Uh, but we turn to the phone lines to open up uh, hour number two, and he is the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys and the champion head coach of the Packers back in the day for Super Bowl forty-five on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line, Mike McCarthy here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you, Coach? I'm doing well, Rich. Uh, thanks for having me on. I thanks, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. What uh, What is Sean McVay feeling like today? Do you think? Mike? Oh, I hope he's hung over. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, definitely. What, what a great game. Uh, and I know you just you know, talked about Eric Weddle's story. I mean, that's uh, so impressive to, to watch. And, you know, clearly seeing him have that pec injury and just go right back in there. And, you know, heck, he's calling the defenses. We're in the green dot and only being there for a couple of weeks. So um, just so impressive uh, all the way around. So I was very happy to see Eric get that get that championship yeah i mean and just in terms of how mcveigh is feeling i guess how 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 was your your feeling after you win a super bowl super bowl 45 i mean that's like put put me in 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 mcveigh's shoes based through yours is essentially i guess what i should have asked you know i remember talking to mike tomlin about the the uh the post-game press conference how it's so unfair on the head coach to have to go to an 8 8 (laughs) a.m press conference the next day and and I don't think my tongue has ever been that wide. Uh, you're trying to answer questions, and because uh, I, I mean, I couldn't even tell you how much how much sleep I had. And, and Mike and I had a good laugh about it because it's uh, it, it's it's probably the biggest challenge you have over the weekend is that press conference in the morning. <laughs> right, I know. And so, but yeah, because you got to wake up the next day and you're standing there with the commissioner, and uh, yeah. he, he's dressed nicely, and you just rolled yeah. out of bed, right? Isn't that the way it works? Or you're not quite even went to bed. I mean, you just you know, maybe jump in the shower and change your clothes. Oh but, my uh, gosh. No, it was. I mean, great memories. You know, obviously, uh, just really, you know, spending it with your team and, and your family afterwards. So, I mean, I, I mean that's a memory that uh, never gets old. But revisiting, that's for sure. Yeah, and interestingly enough, too, um, McVeigh's from Ohio uh, in Dayton, and he might have made a lot of people back in his hometown very upset by beating the Bengals. I, I imagine you did the same thing. By beating the Steelers, right, Mike? Back in the day, very true, uh, very true. Um, and I'll say this: um, I think still having all my family back there, um, you know, kind of the common response that that we all uh, heard from the you know the Pittsburgh Steelers fans: if you know, hey, if they were going to lose, you know, it was definitely it was the it was the right team to lose to. So you know, I always 
thought that was a good way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would have preferred to play anybody else in the AFC because, you know, I, I'm still a you know Pittsburgh Steelers fan at heart. I think that's part of growing up there, and that never leaves you, you know. Um, you know, my family still roots for the Steelers. You know, it's their second team. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, it, it, was, uh, it was a cool experience once it was over, but it, it's definitely – I would have, I would have rather played somebody else, no doubt. Mike McCarthy here on the Rich Eisen Show, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I know you said um, after the 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 loss to San Francisco that you weren't planning on watching the playoffs. Did you did you catch much of the Super Bowl, or was it just it's just tough to watch a game that you wanted to be coaching in yourself? I mean, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, it's it's twofold. Uh, you know, I did, I did not watch the the divisional round games. Uh, it was definitely still you know too fresh. I mean, for, for me personally, um, but I, I did watch the uh, the championship games, and I and I and I definitely watched the Super Bowl uh, Sunday. So you know, I had a chance to sit down with our our youngest son George. Him and I watched it, and, and it you know, it's like I said, it's 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 painful to be sitting on your couch on Super Bowl Sunday. I think everybody feels that way when you when you know you have an excellent chance to be there. Uh, but in the same breath, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm still a fan of the game of football, and you know, I, I enjoyed the game. It was I thought it was a great game to watch. You know, I thought you know both quarterbacks, and you know, I was frankly I was very happy for Matthew Stafford. I had a chance to compete against him a ton in the AFC North, and uh, just so deserving of, of a championship. So it, it's it's nice to see a a quarterback, you know, or all the players that uh, you know go through some trials and tribulations and to come out with a successful Super Bowl Sunday. So I, I enjoyed the game. I thought it was a hell of a game. And I imagine uh, with the Rams on your schedule next year, you are you are hoping Aaron Donald might, uh, you know, uh, follow through on uh, on tapping out on his career. <laughs> right, Coach? Uh, highly think? recommend it. I think they all should retire. I, mean, I, <laughs> I, think, it's, uh, I think they're right. looking at it the right way. It's right. It's like a year off. I imagine. To at least take a sabbatical. Think about it. I, I know. <laughs> so uh, I'll ask you the same question I asked your quarterback, uh, Dak Prescott, when he was in this show studio last Thursday. How, how often do you think about the way the game ended against San Francisco? How often does that creep into your head? Mike McCarthy. Oh, I mean, it never leaves you. Uh, that, that's for sure. Um, you know, I know. You know, clearly. I mean, you know, as a coach, you're you're always looking at you know the details of putting your players in position to be successful. So, you know, it's uh, you know something we came in the next day, you know, as a, as a staff and, and and you know looked at our training tapes and just to make sure that you know how we present this moving forward, we we got it at you know the details exactly right because you know you can only can control what you can control and. And I think, like anything in the game of football, you got to be careful in your evaluation process. So, and, and that's you know, frankly, that's what we're doing now. Everybody was back to work today, and you know, we're starting our scheme evaluation and start building our installs for next year. But yeah, I, I mean, I definitely I go through that play all the time, and um, you know, what, what could we do better? Um, and you know, that's that's what coaching's all about. Because at the end of the day, it's not whether you practiced it or mm-hmm. you know. How many times you did it? It's it's the success of the play, and um, and it's all about making the the players successful, and especially offensively, we got to we got to make sure we're putting our quarterback in position to to be successful, uh, especially in those game situation segments at the at the end of the game. So, what would you have done differently, uh, other than just you know uh, making sure you got another shot at the end zone, which you didn't get? So, what, like, what would you change? Well, I, I think it's like anything. I always look at the, you know, the application of the training. Um, you know, I, I learned this as a play caller. 
you know, back in the early 2000s, I, I think you have to watch on how you evaluate plays. You know, every play that you call, you have to, you really have to give it two grades. You know, it, did it win or did it or did it lose? And you know, obviously the fact that we didn't get that, you know, the we call a church clock. It's a you know, all of our situation, um, all our game situation plays, you know, have have tags, and then in that's we're in a two play, you know, last two play sequence there, and so. Did the play win or lose? You know, and obviously not getting the ball clocked in time, so the play was a was a loss. So, but you gotta you gotta take it a step further in your evaluation, and and you gotta give it a plus or a minus. You know, was the scheme was it favorable for our players to be successful on that play? And that's that's the part that you know we you know we've taken a close look on it because look at because you want to make sure you're training it properly. You know, moving forward, and you know if you you know if you remember the play. Um, we were in what we call, you know, a sideline offense because, you know, we didn't have the timeouts, and so we were able to get the ball out of bounds, I think, mm-hmm. three plays prior to that. And uh, San Francisco called the timeout, and so they went to a sideline fence defense. So, you know, schematically, you know, the play, you know, schematically based on what we had called to get first or defense, you know, it was, a, it was a quick throw that was checked to a draw based off of uh, Eric Armstead was the nose. We called it a jumper technique. You know where they're, you know they're playing to stop the quick throw. So uh, I think you know Dak's decision was correct, but we just got to look at the details of of what we'll do in that particular situation of giving us more time to to get the ball, you know, to get the ball spiked um, and get the clock stopped. So you know, so we'll look at this, you know, the schematic part of it. Um, you know, we'll definitely you know tighten up the you know th- those details. But you know, the reality of it is the play did not we did not execute the play. So. Uh, because you know you have to get that that last play off, and you know the whole obviously the whole you know reason for doing that was you know instead of throwing the hail mary, you know from the forty plus, you're, you're trying to get it down inside the, the thirty right. yard line because it puts you in another play, you know another play call which you know has a higher percentage, well, uh, the ability to win. What do you what do you make of people who place it right on your lap, coach? That the play call didn't work. It's your fault for letting it go. Uh, the men, number of penalties on the day. Uh, the the snafu after the uh, the fake punt uh, where where you try to to to, to you know snag into either another timeout or another penalty out of them. How do you how do you how does that criticism land in your your world? Well, coach? that's I mean that's part of being a head coach. I mean that's part of being a leader. And and, and you know but also I think you, you know going back to your evaluation process. I think that's why you got to you got to look at every play in the game. You know did it win or did it lose? And and also was the, was a scheme favorable. To put the players in position, um, you know, you look at the, you know, the fake punt. That that was a huge play for us, uh, but we were in a, you know, hurry up play, you know, coming off that. So, you know, obviously they shut it down because of the attempted, you know, substitution on the sideline. So I mean, you, you look at all those details in your evaluation, but you know, at the end of the day, it's about winning, and and everything we do here on a daily basis is about winning. When I show up for work every day, that's all. That's all I ever think about. What, you know, how can we make the locker room stronger, uh, the teaching environment better, and you know, and that's really what I keep my my focus on. But, you know, I, I think it's like anything. Um, you know, criticism comes with the job, um, and and frankly, the longer you do this, you know, it's just you know, you, the more you know, the more more marks you'll have on it on, on you because of it. So. Uh, that just kind of goes with the territory, you know. When, when you lose, you know, criticism is going to come. It's going to come heavier and harder than probably you've ever experienced in your life when you when you work at the Dallas Cowboys. You know, that's that's part of the landscape. 
So, I mean, you just, so that's why you, you just keep plugging. And, you know, even if you go back to the last play at the, you know, in the San Francisco game, maybe you just uh, chalk it up to throw two Hail Marys in honor of Roger Stallback and Drew Pearson and give it a shot. So, I mean, I mean, you can, you can look at all those things uh, as far as, you know, your evaluation. But, you know, it, it's about making the players successful. And the, and the players have to have it cleanly um, as far as the way it's repped the way they feel comfortable with it. And, you know, I've, I've been at this a long time, and um, I've seen some great plays on on film, on paper, at practice. But if it's not oiled up and if it's not totally, you know, dialed in, uh, then it's, you know, the chances for it to be successful on Sunday are, are not as high as you want them than they need to be. So I think you just got to stay in tune with that. Sorry for such a long answer. It's all good. Dallas Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy here on the Rich Eisen Show. Okay, so uh, part of the criticism coming your way seems to be in a veiled way from the the man who signed your checks, uh, to be very honest with you, uh, Jerry Jones, in a story written on DallasCowboys.com, was talking about Dan Quinn coming back to your fold and mentioning how Sean Payton and Jason Garrett um, stuck around uh, for a long time as assistants in Dallas because, quote, every one of those three coaches have said they'd love to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So my point is that has, in my mind, a lot of logic as to why they might not take a job now rather than one or wait and see how the cards go in the future. Uh, The follow-up question was uh, kind of obvious. Like, what about your current head coach, Mike McCarthy? And the quote was, Mike knows that someday somebody other than him will be coach of the Cowboys. Uh, what do you think about that supposition, Coach Mike McCarthy? Oh, so we, we have an hour, correct? <laughs> um, the, t- the floor no, is yours. I, the time's yours, as Andy Reid might say in the media. So what do you think? Well, I think it's, you know, I think it's a number of things. I mean, I think, number one, you know, I think it's you know, every landscape in this league is different. You know, I've, I've been – very fortunate to to work at you know two of the premier organiza- organizations um, in pro football, and you know and they're and they're all different. So and and I think clearly in this you know in, in this situation you know the, the way things are, are are done here there's you know there's a a bigger picture focus and and I've always frankly just keep it about about winning and, and I've always you know kind of taken the Taking a blind eye or blind ear to those things, but but that's you know that's that's not the that's not the case when you work here. So I mean I, I think clearly uh, when you look at those type of comments, you know I, I think you have to understand you know the platform where they come from. I mean you know I have an excellent relationship with with Jerry Jones. You know we we talk on a regular basis about everything and anything, uh, big picture. Um, you know tight focus on what we're doing. You know program wise. You know and, and more importantly. Uh, you know his biggest interest is you know the development of our players, especially our young players. So, but when I when I look at the you know the comments, I mean, the thing about Dan, uh, you know, Dan Quinn being here is was very important to me and our organization. You know, I think it's uh, the reality of it is, you know, Dan and I had visited long before he ever took a uh, a head coach interview. Frankly, long before the playoffs even started. Mm-hmm. You know about uh, how happy he is here. Um, you know, and and I envy him in some ways. Where you know, as a head coach, you get pulled away from the things that really you you were would help you advance in this league. So I mean, the joy that he was having coordinating, uh, he's been a tremendous asset for me. 
you know, personally and professionally, just, you know, just having another, uh, you know, another individual with, with the experience of, of a head coach. So, um, you know, we talked about him staying here, uh, you know, long before he even took it, took the interview. Now, obviously when he took the interview and then this, you know, this, this narrative broke out, uh, I think it, in reflection to the relationship that Dan and I do have, you know, he just said, Hey man, if I'm not comfortable with this narrative, um, you know, if, if, if you, really feel like I need to take one of these jobs, you know, just be honest with him. And, and I, we kind of laughed about it. And I just said, Dan, 10 to 12 years ago, I, I'd tell you, please get the hell out of here. I don't want to deal with this. But the, the reality of it is uh, I'm about winning. He's about winning. And the best thing for the Cowboys is for Dan Quinn to be here. And, you no, know, obviously it was his decision, his alone. But, I, you know, I clearly wanted him to know from, from the start of all that that, uh, you know, I wanted him here. Because it, uh, it's it's in the best interest of us winning. I, I've been at this a long time, Rich. Um, you know, I understand. You know how how hard it is to win a Super Bowl, and and so the best thing for us, one of the best you know, for our opportunity to be um, at the forefront of how we want to do it here. You know, it, it's it's having Dan Quinn. So uh, you know, as far as what happens next and all that, mm-hmm. I, I think that's really. Uh, just part of the landscape, you know, you know, Jerry's the owner, he's the GM. And I mean, he's, you know, he's uh, always taking a 360 degree view of everything. Um, and I think it's like anything in life, you know, we have a lot of one-on-one conversations. Uh, we, we discussed all these things, you know, we, we, um, you know, i never once felt that I was not going to be the head coach moving forward. And, and, and frankly, I've been at this long enough. That's, that's all I'm focused on. And I think the players, the coaches, Football operations is is really is my main hold. I'm the leader of this football team, and I'm about winning, and that's that's all I've ever focused on, and that's all I ever will focus on. And um, are these narratives unusual? Absolutely. Um, they're, I've never dealt with anything like this. Um, do I wish I didn't have to come on here and answer questions about it? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I wish we were talking about something else, but um, it is part of it's part of our landscape, and um, I, I just think. Keeping things, keeping things real, and keeping things focused, because at the end of the day, it's about the people that you're in charge of. It's about the people you coach, and most importantly, it's about our locker room. And our locker room's about winning. Uh, I love our players. Uh, I love, I love what they bring to the table. Um, I think the the advancement we made from year one to year two, year two was was impressive. Uh, we know we have more to offer. Um, the emotion and the sting of, you know, how we lost is real, uh, but. Uh, in my lifetime in this league, uh, it'll make us better, and I truly believe that. So it, it's part of our process, and it's part of our hard, hard learning experience. Um, uh, but you know, I'm not naive to the fact that you you got to take advantage of opportunities when they're in front of you. We did a lot. We did a lot of really good things, some, some great things this year. Um, but you know, we didn't play our best football at the most important time in in our last game, and that's. And that's what we have to really focus on moving forward. So uh, next time you see Jerry Jones, uh, have you seen him since these comments came out, or do you haven't? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, all right. I'm, I'm, no, he was. At, I haven't seen him since with the Super Bowl, but okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So I, did I, you? I talked to him Saturday. Yeah, we talked. We talked okay. on a regular basis. So do you say to him, uh, I'm, uh, "Today's just not that day that uh, I, I realize I'm not going to be the Cal- Cowboys coach forever." Today's not that day, right? You did. You, did you talk about this sort of stuff with him, or you just let it? You just go about your business and let him address it at some point. 
You know what I mean? Like, because it is unusual for an owner to say this sort of stuff, certainly about a coordinator that, that you have a great relationship with and has done a terrific job. I mean, so that's why I'm just wondering, do you, do you address it directly with him? Yeah, no, we talked about it. Uh, we, we we talked about Dan's situation. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we, we talked about Sean Payton's narrative also. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been discussed. You have discussed yeah. that with him. Huh? What is what is yeah. is anything you can share uh, that you have discussed? Oh, no, that I mean, just, the, really, the, the just the conversation was, you know, uh, you and I are in this, you know, back to back, and uh, you know, it's a partnership, and you know, just focus on what we need to do moving forward. Um, and you know, and he he made some, you know personal comments about you know how, how he feels about it but you know that, that's really for for him and i but mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, i'm very very comfortable with our relationship and our dialogue i mean it's uh at the end of the day uh, we we both want the same thing and it's uh and it's to, to you know to win the world championship and and hey and definitely the narratives are unusual um but at the end of the day i, I think you have to you got to trust the relationships and the, and the communication and the connection that you have in our in our leadership group, and it's. I think we're doing everything we possibly can to, you know, to build a championship team here. Okay, Mike McCarthy, I appreciate the time, sir. I appreciate you coming on this program and uh, and chopping it up. Um, and you know, you've got a you've got a a, a spot here anytime you want to call, or or if you if you take my call, I'm happy <laughs> to chat with you as well. So I appreciate the time as always. Well. well Definitely, but let's. Uh, can we uh, change the narratives next time? Well, I mean, I'm not in charge of the narratives. Okay. Um, I guess I am in charge of which ones I bring up to you. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I I I, I hear you, man. And uh, you know, I know the season didn't end the way that you wanted. Uh, I I got to tell you, you know, but you know this. The quarterback, when he came in here, um, he's just the real deal in every facet in life. I saw Micah Parsons um, on the red carpet of the honors with his beautiful son. Uh, unanimous uh, defensive player, uh, defensive rookie of the year candidate. I mean, you've got some serious playmakers at your disposal, and I wish you good luck with that. And let's talk before the draft, and uh, if not uh, after as well, Coach. Definitely. I'll see you in Indianapolis. Thanks, okay, Rich. fantastic. Thanks for the call. That's Mike McCarthy, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, here on the Rich Eisen Show. Address the Sean Payton narrative as well. All right, lots to chop up on that one, right? All right, all right let's do it. Okay. When we come back here on the program, as Warren Sapp's making his way here, uh, we'll take your phone calls, and we'll, uh, we'll take in a little bit more of all that. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed hey folks it's time for the nfl draft which means for me I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. 
you know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So Sleep Number helps me. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everybody. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show. How do you feel, TJ, about all that? Well, what do you think? I'll uh, give him a second to bring it all in. And plus, yeah. he, he's he's getting ready for our uh, Harden-Simmons uh, conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just going to be one whole T.J. Jefferson-Palooza coming up shortly. <laughs> I thought that was last Thursday. You know what? Um, here's something. I um, Get that video ready, uh, Hoskins, that we were talking about. I did not know, because I didn't see the even this on a replay, because they were going fast. And NBC had just one replay uh, of it, but uh, certainly didn't see this in, in the stadium. Now, the biggest throw on that 15-play drive, to me, clearly obviously outside of the touchdown, right, or anything like that, the biggest throw was the one that finally got them deep in territory close enough to a red zone. How about that sound? They get, got them into Bengals territory. Deep into Bengals territory. Now, the Rams had the ball on the 50-yard line twice in a row and didn't do anything with it. Right. So this was kind of like the last chance saloon, right? Now, they were kind of in no man's land on the clock after they picked up the first down on fourth down. Like, now this drive had to kind of work. Yeah. Okay? Now, this had to work. He couldn't really punt at this point. And so the throw that Stafford made to Cup <laughs> over the middle, over the outstretched hands of Von Bell... I had no idea it was a no-look pass until the Rams put this video out yesterday. Watch number 24, Von Bell, looking right at Stafford where he's throwing. This pump fake and look to the right gets Bell moving that way. And then he throws to where Cup is not looking. And Bell can't get it now. And Cup does. It's incredible. I cannot tell it's you incredible. how remarkable that is. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an all-time all throw. It's an all-time throw. It was in its... Of itself. But the fact that Stafford did that to move Bell out of the way, knowing, look where Bell is. He knows, I got to go there. Let me look. I know Cup's going to get there. Bell now moves far enough that when the throw is hit, made thrown, he can't get it. Otherwise, he would have knocked that thing down or even picked it off. off. The no look is what made that throw possible. So you said you couldn't tell in the stadium. No. They didn't even show a replay on the broadcast. No, I know of because that. because the Rams were going too yeah. fast. The Rams were going so in real time fast. you had no idea what type of throw that was. I didn't, I didn't see, see that till, till right, yesterday. I saw it right after the game on Twitter and even then I was like, Why I watched it twice. I was like, yeah. Why am I looking at this? I was like, Oh, wait a second. Yes. He's not looking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah some, somebody randomly really put it up without out any sound or anything. Unbelievable. Right unbelievable and we're back here in our terrestrial radio outfit and we just were looking at the no look pass that 
Stafford threw the cup over the middle that got them, you know, inside the 40 and started that drive, you know, in in Bengals territory for the first time, the one to win the game. And him no-looking the ball to cup, I had no idea that was a no-look throw, and it moved Von Bell far enough away for him to be able to have that lane. Von Bell's definitely picking and that off. And here's the difference again. Here's the difference again. Von Bell would have definitely picked it off without the no-look. Here's the difference again, folks. Like, today, Richard Sherman is all in on Matthew Stafford not being a Hall of Famer. Let me just let me just give you the same scenario. No-look pass to all-world top-wide receiver, okay? Let me just give you that scenario. No-look pass to top-wide receiver, game on the line in the Super Bowl. What if it was Mahomes to Tyreek Hill? How much would be we going, uh, we'd be nuts, going about nuts. nuts about it? Okay, so it's a double standard with Stafford. Yeah, where I think everybody feels like we still haven't gotten through his twelve years in Detroit. Yeah. He was not able to uplift that franchise, and thus is less than because of it. You know, and and. Richard Sherman saying what he's saying about Stafford, it it totally makes sense about no Pro Bowls and no All Pros and how do you tell the story of the NFL without him and what's the moment for him. And so he's not like that it's debasing what we used to consider for the um, Hall of Fame. How many All Pros and Pro Bowl seasons can you make and moments can you make when you're playing for a Lions team that is just crap? Then doesn't that add to okay. Sherman's so it, argument? It, it, maybe it does. Like, it, but I'm saying the reason why Stafford didn't have all of that with the numbers that he was putting up is because he didn't have the wins to go with it. And you could say, well, he should have taken them up and and through. Well, we talk about how this is a team sport and how it's a wonderful team sport. Let's factor it all in. Let's factor it all in. What he was doing for the Lions, as well was sure you want to say stat compiling he was getting his brains beaten in and still putting up numbers like that and guess what calvin johnson's in the hall of fame right who is his quarterback do we have that uh statistic i saw this morning on good morning football that i sent to the whole group please in the history of the nfl Top four wide receivers with most receiving yards in an entire season, regular and post. From, so from the minute that, minute that a ball was snapped in a game that mattered in the regular season, all the way through the end if they were fortunate enough to go to the postseason. You got four top four receivers. Calvin Johnson is fourth on the list with 1,964. Now that was all in one regular season. As we all know, he didn't play in the postseason, right? Jerry Rice had one... Yard better than him in the 1995 season. And then Larry Fitzgerald had a few yards better than him in the 08 season when they made the Super Bowl, 1977, right? (laughs) Cooper Cup season this year? Now, I know that they had an extra regular season game, but he didn't have a – he didn't light it up in week 18 to the tune of like 400 yards, right? He had 2,425 yards receiving. So, four – Top receivers, okay, top four most prolific most prolific receiving seasons ever. 
one quarterback through to two of them. Matthew Stafford. The trigger man had to get it to Calvin Johnson. And the trigger man had to get it to Cup. I'm caping for Stafford here. You remember when he played with the separated shoulder? Oh, I mean, there's that was like the right. No, I, I know that, but it was for the Lions and the Lions stink, and who cares amazing. about the Lions and who cares about Stafford because who cares that. about the Lions? You know, again, you can't get all pro and Pro Bowls playing for a team that stinks. And he waited 12 years to ask out. 12 years he waited. And that's what I said yesterday, too. Just let me just put a button on this. When I said, you know, I, I, I said, you know, it, talking about how it couldn't have been easy for him and his wife after a, dec- a dozen years in, in the Detroit area, okay? In the Detroit area, it had to take a, a, a lot to leave the spot where they had roots, roots in the community, their children were born, and, and he finally asked out. And, you know, and he's such a good guy that the Lions let someone of that caliber of talent go. I know they got two first-rounders and Jared Goff to come back, but they still did let him walk. And, you know, you can't discount what he did for those 12 years and the time that he put in when it's all said and done. And let's see what he does from here on out, too. Mm -hmm. But the four most prolific receiving seasons ever – Kurt Warner threw to one. What? Um, Steve Young threw to Rice. And Matthew Stafford threw to the other two. That's got to count for something. Colin in San Diego, let's take your phone call here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, Colin? What's up, Rich? How are we doing? What's going on, man? Not doing well, man. Not doing well. Here in rainy San Diego today, the Rams are Super Bowl champs. 49er fan here. Calling about what you guys talked about yesterday, there is no doubt leaving the Super Bowl stadium as a fan of the team who lost, nothing worse than that. Absolutely nothing worse. Was in Miami two years ago, watching my team have a 10-point lead, thinking, wow, Jimmy's going to do it. We're going to be Super Bowl champs. And then Mahomes took over, walked out of that stadium, had to fly across the country the next day after dropping, you know, X amount of money for those five days in Miami. By far, nothing worse than having to leave that stadium as uh, watching your team lose in the Super Bowl. Mm, it is. It does stink. And thanks for the call, man. Way. I appreciate you sharing that. Rough By way. the way, football gods and weather gods, again, could you imagine if it was a day like today? It's raining. It's like mid-50s. Could you imagine if that was Super Sunday? It was instead 85 and sunny. It's amazing. Amazing. Football and weather gods, they get together. They're, <laughs> they're, they're simpatico. <laughs> What did you make of uh, Mike McCarthy's appearance on this program? We just hung up from the coach, and I, I put point blank to him, T.J. Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Well, what he had to – about Jerry Jones saying what he said about how Mike knows he's not going to be the quarter, the coach here sometime, some, someday. It seemed like a kind of an uncomfortable combo, <laughs> obviously, for him. To, to have that. here? Yeah, well, not just here. I'm, I'm sure he... He for, said he spoke to Jerry about the Sean Payton narrative, too. That was, was like, wow, okay. I, I I don't know how that would make me feel, right? I don't know how he feels about his situation. It stinks. But it I can't mean, be good. But, I mean, but he's the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. How many times did he say in that conversation that, you know, it's part and parcel of what goes on around here? Yeah. But also now now there's but pressure. Jerry, Jerry likes it. That, I know that now there's pressure. But I think Jerry likes it this way. 
I think I think it's in the news. I think well, no, 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 no. It's no, not that, that that's never a bad thing, though, Chris. That, that's no, no. I don't think it's. We do enough. We do a good enough job of doing that. I don't think it's the in the news. I think he kind of likes a little Hunger Games type atmosphere. I think he kind of digs that. I think he thinks he keeps people on their toes. And certainly after, you know, uh, he had Garrett there for a very long time. Um, I, I think he kind of digs that. I don't know. And, and, and I also think he, he digs that there, there are coaches that think that they want to be the, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And I think he, he doesn't mind if, as long as you spell your name right. You know? Yeah. Um, saying that sort of thing. The thing that just got me about these comments from Jerry Jones is they were on his website. He's like, yeah, print that. And so, yeah, if I'm Mike McCarthy, I am going to go to the boss and say, you know, what's up? Are we good or yeah. what? What's up, dude? Something I should know. And then he said, he said, what? He, that Jerry said some personal comments back that he's going to keep to himself. Mm-hmm. But there's no question that there's a there there, and what the there is is a guy and and Dan Quinn. Who, if I'm if I'm McCarthy, I'm like, hell yeah, you're coming back. Yeah. Hell yeah, I saw what happened on the defensive side of the ball compared to year one with Mike Nolan. Hell yeah. Yeah. And Dan, that's, you you want to stay? You're sta- like if I'm Mike McCarthy, I want Dan Quinn there. Absolutely. And then I'm betting on myself to say I, I, if we win here, I'm gonna then then clearly I'm staying. If Dan Quinn's defense performs like that and they ultimately win and get Jerry Jones to Arizona to hoist the Lombardi Trophy for a fourth time, well, where, where, where's Mike McCarthy going? Nowhere Canton, except maybe? to the parade. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then and then back to work. But if it doesn't work again, then then obviously there's going to be an issue and yeah. a problem. And Sean Payton's there and Dan Quinn is st- like, wouldn't you want Dan Quinn back? You have to have Dan Quinn back. Damn straight. We were telling you like he's going and he, he, that's a major problem if Dan Quinn leaves. And you know, the whole time you said he was leaving, I was like, maybe he's not. There's a lot of, pro- there's a lot of pressure as the head guy, right? I am, you, have, you have a coordinator job and you can just stick to that and concentrate yeah. on that solely. That's a lot less pressure on you. Certainly so. if you know that uh, the boss thinks of you as head coaching material, material yeah. for him. But the pressure I said being on McCarthy now, we got both coordinators back, which like Michael Irvin said, for some reason, everyone wants your, your, your coordinators back. But with Dallas, it was looked at as weird or as a bad thing. Like now you got pressure. Now you got everyone. The staff stayed in, intact. It yeah. stayed the way it was. You got no choice now. You ha- you're in a Ram situation. You got to win, man. You got to win. How about he said to Quinn? He said that he told Quinn oh, before man. going on head coaching gigs. You know, and Quinn said, "Hey, if this is a problem, you know, with this narrative, mm-hmm. tell me if t- <laughs> let me know. Let me know if you think I should get out of here." And then he did interview for these coaching gigs and then stopped. Which leads me to believe there were one of two he would have said yes to. You know? Yeah, that's There were one or two he would have said yes to. And then when they were going in a different direction, he's like, I'm out. I'm going to remove my name. He, apparently, he didn't even interview at all for Jacksonville. At all. For there. It was Denver and the Giants. Those yeah. are jobs I would have chased, too. I think Denver was the one a lot of people thought. Everybody thought he was in. Until uh, Aaron Rodgers' favorite uh, assistant coach said he was hired. But that's they only hired Nathaniel Hackett for his uh, acumen. <laughs> the fact that he could bring Aaron Rodgers with him, too, had eh, nothing, nothing to do with zero. it. To do with it. Zero to point zero. I don't think it had anything to do with it. Nothing do you? 
I mean, legitimately, it couldn't have, right? You can't. You're not going to give a guy no, your whole franchise correct. on the. You're not on the going chance. to correct. You're not going to give a job to somebody uh, on an off chance. Yeah. That's correct. But now he you gets have to a believe leg it up. In. Yeah, I mean, if it's kind of even, like, hey, we kind of like Nathaniel Hackett, right. we kind of dig, dig Dan Quinn, and we kind of dig, you know, whoever. Right. But which one could potentially net us Aaron Rodgers oh, at the yeah, same time? Let's go with that guy. Sold. Bye-bye. But, I mean, Mike McCarthy gives you a whole insight right there on what it's like to be a head coach in this league where you're hearing all this stuff, and you do go to your owner or your team, the guy who's writing the checks, and say, what's up? Mm-hmm. What's up? Got to do that. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Kyler Murray had something to say, and guess who also has something to say? Ben Simmons, James Harden. Oh, he hey. speaks. We're going to do that next. Warren Sapp will join us in hour number three as well. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com Eisen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, um, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial on our program. Did we put up a poll question today? We did not do such a thing. Oh, I did actually What'd put you one do? up. I threw, at Rich Eisen Show, at Rich everybody. Eisen Show. I threw up, uh, when the Bengals got the ball back, did you think it was going to overtime? And? We were just having that discussion, so I just threw it up. Okay. Right now, 57% yes. I thought so, too. I kind of, I kind of well, certainly know. after the first snap goes to Jamar Chase like and and yards, and yeah. uh, and Jalen Ramsey tried to have his walk off moment by jumping the route, picking it, and yeah. doing an Al Harris. Remember that? Yeah, you know, and just taking it to the house and ending ending a playoff game. With a, I needed yeah. overtime for the over, so I was kind of pulling for overtime. But what if Jalen Ramsey had picked it off and scored? That, that still would have been, been that would have been even better, actually, because that would have made it fifty to. Would that, have, would that have put it over? Yeah, because that would have made it 30 to 20. So Jalen would have tried to jump that route. Yeah. And put that over, and then the Rams would have covered. That I know. That would have made the Rams cover and the over, and that would have been bad news for Vegas. Did I see somewhere that the coin toss loser of the Super Bowl has now won the last five or six of them in a row? Uh-oh. 
Oh, I did not see that stat. Good Ooh. one. Good one. But what is that a stat or is that, is that just a, a point of interest? How is that a stat? I don't know. Three of the last it's four. No, it's, a total, it's a total luck situation. Three of the last four have been blue Gatorade now. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> People bet on the color of the Gatorade. Oh, yeah. There's some degenerates. I mean, we got some. There's, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Well, what happened with the uh, national anthem? Way over. Was it? Yeah, way over. I hit four out of five on the props that I gave out on the show on Friday, and the only one that didn't hit was Odell Yards because he got hurt. Yeah, Odell would have gotten that. Who went double brave? Who was the one who went double brave? Was it Lady Gaga when she sang the national anthem? She double braved it, right? right, She went the home of the brave, and then and then and then. Land of the Free and Home of the Brave, and then and then double braved it and, and Gladys, sang it. Gladys Knight. Gladys, Gladys Knight. Knight double braved it, right? Gladys and then she sang a one extra line. Did that put it over? Yeah. The double brave put it over. Did anybody look in to see if Gladys put a little something on it? <laughs> like, like, I retold that Billy Joel story to someone over the weekend. And what'd they think? Yeah, they just laughed. Just the, I guess now i got to quickly tell it for those who may not know it. <laughs> I interviewed Billy Joel. Billy Joel spoke to the... Uh, Media, he, he did the, the national anthem the year Prince did the, the halftime. He spoke to the media and a member of the NFL asked him before the uh, press conference, Billy, just if anybody asks you how long it is, please don't say how long it's going to be because people bet on it. He goes, no problem. He steps up there. Hey, you know, it's great to do the national anthem again. I've done it before. This is amazing honor. I think it's going to take about a minute 50, minute 55. Cool. Literally came out and said it. Amazing. <laughs> Back here on the Rich Eisen Show. Eight four four two zero four. Rich number to dial right here in the program. Kyler Murray has chimed in. We were wondering why did he take down all of the Cardinals' photos from his Instagram and cleanse his Instagram of all things Arizona Cardinals. It set off an entire conversation throughout the Super Bowl week, nonstop conversation throughout the Super Bowl week, and then nothing was added to the conversation by anybody on his side. As the uh, his agent was was reached out to by Ian Rappaport. No comment. Just let it sit out there. Just not, not, not da- tamp it down or give any context to it. Just lending all the conversation to be about maybe it's money this, money that. Well, he's finally chimed in. And on his Twitter account yesterday, um, he said, I play this game for the love of it. My teammates, everyone who has helped me get to this position that believed in me and to win championships. All of this nonsense is not what I'm about, never has been, never will be. Anyone who has stepped between those lines with me knows how hard I go. Love me or hate me, but I'm going to continue to grow and get better. That was it. It's a photograph from him. I think it's him at uh, Soldier Field this year. And he had, that was his, I think that might have been his best game of the year. Remember that was coming out of a bye and he was injured before that. And I think oh, he yeah, had four yeah, or yeah. five total touchdowns. I mean, he's, yeah, he there's no ball. question how dominant of a player he can be. Baller, man. There's no doubt. But the nonsense that I think he's referring to is what Chris Mortensen tweeted out on Super Bowl Sunday is some somebody unnamed saying that 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 everything, you know, that that this rift is real and that there are people in the Cardinals organization or pardon me, I shouldn't say that per sources. He said there are people who say he's immature and a finger pointer. But I don't think there's anything more nonsensical than scrubbing your Instagram Instagram account and saying nothing about it. I mean, that's what started all of it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what started all of it becoming public. This stuff might have been going on behind the scenes, but there wouldn't have been any Mortensen tweet if there was no Instagram account scrubbed to begin with and then no comment to just let that sit there as a comment. And it's kind of reminiscent of him 
coming on our show the same day you went on Dan Patrick's show at the Super Bowl and going out there and making himself available for questions when the only question to ask him was at the time, are you playing football or baseball? And he'd yet to make a decision or an announcement, whichever one it was. He knew the questions were coming and seemed to have no game plan on how to answer it. This appears to be another game plan of some sort, scrubbing your Instagram account. Of course, we're going to notice he's Kyler Murray. <laughs> and and then not having really much of a game plan on how to respond when the questions and question marks come your way. It's just another odd, bizarre instance of, I don't know what, I don't either. <laughs> of seeming like your own making. Uh, I I don't get it unless you want like the only way he's going to get his money right now one would think is if Arizona decides to do this anyway right now or he demands out he flat out demands out says I want a trade I am not coming back there which would put this thing in a whole different ball of wax when I saw him say all the nonsense, I'm like, my first thought was like, what is more nonsense than scrubbing your Instagram account? But then I realized that he's probably referring to what came out over the weekend. So stay tuned for that. We have a new news cycle, thanks to <laughs> Kyler Murray responding in a way that leaves the door wide open as to what does he mean? Who would take Kyler Murray? Anybody, I think, right now. Probably 20, 25 teams. Right? Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. AFC team, right? They wouldn't trade him to an AFC team. I don't know. Well, I have no idea what would happen. I didn't see any of this coming anyway. So, then there's uh, what's happening in Philadelphia today with James Harden getting introduced and uh, Brooklyn introducing Ben Simmons. So, let's let's hear from Ben first and then we'll, we'll take it all in. Go for it. It was just piled up. A bunch of things that have gone over the years to where I just knew I wasn't myself and I need to get back in, into that place of, you know, being myself and, and being happy as a person um, and taking care of my well-being. Um, and that was like the, that was the major thing for me. Um, it wasn't about the basketball. It wasn't about the money, anything like that. Um, you know, I want to be who I am and, and get back to, you know, playing basketball at that level and, you know, being myself. Look, there's nothing more serious than mental health issues. And he said the mental health had nothing to do with the trade and nothing to do with Philadelphia. It had something to do with what have you that seems to appearing uh, at this moment in time to no longer be an issue. He says he's not ready to play yet. This is serious business, man. This is serious business. And it's, you know, it's uh, terribly unfortunate right now that we're sitting here wondering, is he, was he jaking it mentally to get mm -hmm. the hell out of Philadelphia? And now he's saying things like it had nothing to do with the trade, nothing to do with basketball. He just wanted to be himself. I mean, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. It, you're not going to be satisfied by any answer in yeah. Philadelphia because he definitely did not perform well in the playoffs last year. And if the criticism about not performing well in the playoffs led to his mental state being the way it is, I totally get that. Being a professional athlete and being criticized stinks. And I can't imagine if you're not ready for it or it's the first time that's ever happened in your life, you want out of there. You want out of there. And you would hope that you could toughen it out and, and take things head on. But, you know, what goes on between your temples, you can't control. 
And we are very sensitive to that subject matter here. We talk about it all the time. But if you're using that as a front, then shame the hell on you. And I don't know what to make of it. I'm not going to sit here and make any sort of judgment on his mental state. Let's see when he comes back and plays and see what it looks like. But it's unfortunate that, that now we're, 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 if he did use th- that as a way to get out of Philadelphia, then, then shame on him forever. Yep. But let's see what happens from here on out because you've got to take people at their word. When it comes to this matter, I just don't understand what it meant that he said. I don't get it. Yeah, that's why I'm hesitant to say anything other than I'm, I'm more concentrating on James Harden. Let's get it. Here's what James yeah. Harden had to say. Here's what Harden had to say today. Originally, you know, when I was going through everything I was going through, uh, you know, in Houston, uh, Philly was my, you know, my first choice. Uh, it just didn't happen. So, um, you know, but just detailed. I don't really want to get into, you know, the Brooklyn situation. I just knew, you know, for a very long time, this is a perfect fit. And obviously, you got a, a, a big man, the best big man in the league, and Joel. And then, obviously, the coaching, uh, just from top to bottom, it made sense. And um, I'm just happy and, and blessed that I'm here. And um, as Doc and, and everybody knows, and everybody wants is, is to win and be the last team standing. So um, I'm excited for the opportunity. All right, this is it, right? Let's go. You can. We he's just gotta saw. Win, he's hey, got to win here. We man. just saw do on it. Sunday what longtime veterans in this league yep. look like when they finally get their ring, right? Or folks like Odell Beckham well, get their it ring. All shifts. Okay, all shifts. It all shifts. And and it's time for Harden to get that because yeah. if he doesn't get it this time around, you know what he is? He's Westbrook. Mm. Great career. Back. Bouncing around. Bouncing teams. around. Yeah. Why can't he fit in? And all these places, everyone's excited to have him, and then they can't wait to, to say adios. Yeah. Then now's the time. Yeah, this is it. Now's the time. Him and Embiid working together, dynamite two-man game, Euro stepping all over the place, shooting free throws <laughs> and winning championship. That's also, the way it's got to go. This, Rich, you got to give him time, but this is the right opportunity. Warren Sapp in studio, hour number three. No, I know you got to give him time. Yeah. But. I mean, I wouldn't say like if they don't win and he's with the team for a you know a quarter of the se- half a season, then it's a failure. Uh, I would like to see a full year uh, before I would say like, all right, whether this is had worked or where, not. Where, Christopher, I don't have the standings in front of me. You do have the, the standings in front of you. Where are the Philadelphia 76ers in the Eastern Conference? They're in fourth place, I where, think. Uh, where are they right now? Let's see. Let's see. They got a big game in they? Boston tonight. Uh, they're fourth. Okay, yeah. they're fourth. But and, it's, and, it's, and how, how, the top so, six is a log jam. Okay, yeah. right. So why not now? No, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a... Why not now? Well, you got to... By, by the time April hits, how many games they got left? 30? Right? Well, they're, uh, they played 56. He's not coming back until after the All Star yeah, no. so game. So you miss a couple so games this time. He's going to have like yeah, 26 games left. Yeah, that's good enough. It's good enough. No, that's good enough to just start playing. No, no, it's good. It's it's good enough. No, this is it. Now's the time. Right? What do you think? Next year you can make a couple more moves and it's a little better. So yeah, I guess you got what a year and a half to make this work. I would say they need to make the Eastern Conference Finals. They got to make right? it work right PJ? now, man. Yeah, I mean that, that would be. I'm just saying, Philly like you said, just... 26 games together. I'm not willing to say if they don't win the title at the end of this year that this was a failure and that Harden's a bust. You know, you some chemistry if they, issues if they and lose, things you If work they out. lose in six or seven games in the East Finals to maybe Milwaukee, and then expectations are going to be really high next year, and they should For be. Sure. And they should be, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah and then Maury can work his magic and get, get this team a little yeah, bit better. I think so. 
And they'll be but, one of the favorites. But his year. his this stop in Philly, right? This is it, right? I would say this. I mean, this needs I mean, to work unless he gets traded argument. somewhere else, or he goes somewhere else, and he's the last piece again. And suddenly, what? He's a thirty-five-year-old guy trying to win it. He yeah. should want to make this his last yeah, I mean, stop. He, he can't yeah, exactly. He can't do he, what he did in Houston and Brooklyn now in Philly, or suddenly he's the major problem, yeah. which he can't be seen as. You know. Yeah, he should want to make this it, the last jersey he puts on. And the Lakers parade is tomorrow, right? The 2020 championship parade is tomorrow with the Rams? Ugh. The Dodgers? Is that a real thing? No. No, it is not oh. a real thing. <laughs> LeBron suggested it because, you know, they didn't have their parades no, coming out of the bubbles. He's got a point, though. He's got a point. And so that now that now that people are, are able to gather again, they should now that make it be, one big thing with the Rams. And, uh, you know, that would be pretty ill, though. The Rams would be like, thank you. Have a ticket to the yeah. banner raising next year. <laughs>